Welcome to the awesome Podmix. You are listening to Abby. The idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and TV shows made me feel when I watched them for the very first time. A reputed filmmaker once said, when a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience, it's the triumph of the filmmaker. That's the magic of cinema. I love the magic of cinema. Today, I'll be talking about Marvel Studios, Thor, Love and Thunder. Despite what Uncle Mori says, Marvel movies are cinematic. The movie is written by Taika Waititi and Jennifer Caton Robinson and directed by Taika Waititi. This is a Kevin Feige production after Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and Ms. Marvel. The movie opens with the introduction of Gore. He prays to God Rapu for food and water as the planet is dying along with his daughter. Chris Hemsworth's daughter, India Rose Hemsworth, plays Gore's daughter in the movie. When Gore's daughter dies, Gore spots an oasis in the distance. He hears something calling out to him, Go to eternity if it's revenge you see. Gore's god Rapu humiliates Gore for eating his food. If you humiliate anyone for something as essential as food, you're not a god, you're a monster. And if you manage to blame the victim for that, you're going to incur the victim's wrath. Rapu chokes Gore. Necrosword is calling out to Gore and reaches his hand. Gore kills Rapu and makes a vow to kill all gods. The lesson here is always question everything, even if it's gods. Never believe anything blindly. Trust your instinct. Marvel Studios' title sequence begins and the theme music plays over an electric guitar. There's addition of Ms. Marvel in the title sequence in the R toward the end. Korg is narrating Thor's story from the beginning till now over Enya's song, Only Time. Young Frigga is a badass for carrying baby Thor to the battlefield. Don't do that for real. She was raised by witches and she sees more than eyes. Damn, I want to see her cult of witches. Damn, I also want a young Frigga's adventure series on Disney+. Plus. One of Thor's younger selves is played by Tristan Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth's son. The wolf woman that Thor hooks up with is Chris Hemsworth's wife, Elsa Paraki. Cork talks about everyone that died in Thor's family, including Loki, not once, not twice, but thrice. He's very much in a close competition with Vision. Vision has died four times, including Hex Vision. Now another Loki variant is causing all kinds of mischief in the TVA, which they absolutely deserve. As Thor trains to get in shape, he wears a trucker hat that looks a lot like Forrest Gump. The cap has various Avengers names on it, which Thor has cancelled and scribbled over, writing, Strongest, so it now reads, Thor, Strongest Avenger which is a nod to Ragnarok. Thor's behavior has regressed back to how it was in the first movie, where he was arrogant and a show-off. Where he was arrogant and a show-off. Thor and the Guardians are on planet Saturn. Thor plants Stormbreaker in the ground and it grows Groot's later. Groot's, get it? Groot's roots. When Guardians come and beg for Thor's help to win the battle, he rides on Stormbreaker like a witch's broom. Even King Yaka begs for Thor's help to save his temple. Thor joins the battle, decimates not just the owl creatures but also the temple which he was particularly asked to save. 
King Yakar calls Thor god of destruction and gifts him two Thor comic accurate goats, Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder. The goats scream a ton. I think King Yakar wanted to get rid of the goats, but Thor doesn't realize that because dumbness and arrogance. Thor behaves like he's doing a favor to the Guardians of the Galaxy by letting them keep their ship, Benatar. I think the purpose of having Guardians in the movie was to tell Thor it's better to feel shitty about your ex than to feel empty. A version of it's better to have loved and lost than to have loved at all. When Peter Quill says, remember what I told you, you ever feel lost? Just look into the eyes of the people you love. Thor peers into Peter Quill's eyes. I swear at one point I thought they would kiss. I felt the same when I saw it for the first time in the teaser. It felt like Thor really grew to love Peter. Thor and the Guardians get a distress call about various gods being butchered across the board. Lady Sif informs Thor about the murder of Falagar the Behemoth. Jane Foster is on Earth undergoing chemo treatment for her cancer. Jane's mom Elaine had cancer and passed away when Jane was really young. Jane is suffering from stage 4 cancer. Right next to her, a guy reads her book, The Foster Theory, Space and Time Travel. She explains the Einstein-Rosen bridge by tearing up her own book. The explanation of the Einstein-Rosen bridge is similar to the movies Event Horizon and Interstellar. Tonsberg in Norway is the new Asgard, a tourist destination. It has an ice cream parlor named Infinity Cones with a Z, with Thanos' Infinity Gauntlet holding the cone. The open theater stage play performs the events of Ragnarok with Sam Neill as Odin, Luke Hemsworth as Thor, Matt Damon as Loki, and Melissa McCarthy as Hela. Melissa McCarthy's husband, Ben Falcone, plays stagehand in the Ragnarok play. Daryl from One Shot Civil War Team Thor makes an appearance as a tour guide. Gore unleashes the shadow creatures, maybe black berserkers, and kidnaps the children of Asgard. Didn't your daughter die because of the gods? Why would you turn into a monster that kidnaps children? Just because you don't want kids to grow in a world where gods don't listen to their prayers doesn't mean you kidnap them and scare them. The kids should believe in themselves more than anything else. I can't believe Thor is jealous of Jane holding his precious Mjolnir. Okay, that sounds highly inappropriate. Let's take that again, shall we? Thor is jealous of Jane because she is now in possession of his precious Mjolnir. Or as Paul Rudd likes to call it, Jonathan. Okay, there's no easy way to make it sound less inappropriate. I love Thor in Ragnarok because he is stripped of his powers when Mjolnir breaks. Or so he thinks. I relate to Thor the most from Endgame because in that movie he's suffering from anxiety and depression and is constantly questioning his worth, like I was when the movie came out. I couldn't extend my arm like Thor to have Mjolnir come to me and assure me of my worthiness. I love the moment when Steve Rogers lifts Mjolnir during the Endgame battle. I think my entire theatre rejoiced, along with Thor, who said, I knew it. That is the Thor I identify with, the one who tried to navigate the panic attacks during the time heist. Not this insecure god, not wanting to share his hammer and his powers with his fellow superheroes. Damn, I need to talk about Endgame in excruciating detail. Son of Heimdall, Astrid, aka Axel, tries to communicate like Heimdall with Thor to reveal the abducted children's location. 
I spotted Taika's kids amidst the kidnapped children. Chris Hemsworth's other son, Sasha Hemsworth, Natalie Portman's children, and Christian Bale's kid also make an appearance in the movie. I didn't like the montage depicting Thor and Jane's time together leading up to their breakup. The only purpose was to have a scene where he enchants Mjolnir to take care of Jane no matter what. Thor is so self-absorbed that he doesn't even remember that. I wish there was one moment of love between Jane and Thor in the montage that could be repeated during the scene when Jane was dying. It could be Thor and Jane's memorable moment of love. Off the top of my head, I have one such moment of love from a superhero's love story. In the beginning of the movie Captain America The First Avenger, Peggy reveals she might even go dancing after the war is over provided she has the right partner. When Steve Rogers is about to crash his plane into the Arctic, he takes a rain check on the dance with Peggy. Peggy and Steve reunite toward the end of Endgame and dance to the song It's Been a Long, Long Time, a slow song that Steve listens to in The Winter Soldier. It's such a beautiful arc. Endgame completes that love story. I missed a strong moment of love for the couple Thor. When Thor gives a motivating speech, some Asgardian says, Half our soldiers are dead. Another Asgardian reverts, Half our soldiers are always dead. It's funny because it's true. Thor, Mighty Thor, Valkyrie, Korg decide to go to Omnipotence City to recruit a team of gods to fight against Gore. Valkyrie clears one of the floating rides called Agar with a neon sign Cocktails and Dreams which is a nod to Tom Cruise's 1988 film Cocktail. Thor is a massive fan of Zeus, making me question his behavior and choices. Thor is quite like a mirror image of the arrogant god Zeus. Thor was humbled because Loki challenged him all his life. He learned humility during his time and relationship with Jane. And he learned teamwork fighting alongside the Avengers. At the Omnipotent City, there's a golden dragon in the Pantheon of Gods. I doubt it's the Great Protector from Talo because as we've seen in Shang-Chi, the Great Protector actually listens to his people's prayers. There is Bao, God of Dumplings, which is a nod to Pixar short Bao, directed by Domi Shi. There's Cronin God, which Korg likes to call Nini Noni, sitting on a throne of scissors. Another rock-paper-scissors joke. Right below Valkyrie and Mighty Thor, there's the panther goddess Bast. When Zeus flicks Thor too hard, on Thor's back, there's a R.I.P. Loki tattoo above Loki's horned crown. There's also a broken heart below and a banner that says rest in mischief. It says brothers on one side and a list of names of the people he's lost on the other. When Zeus obliterates Korg, Thor kills Zeus and takes the thunderbolt weapon along to destroy Gor. Though Korg's face is completely intact so he's not really dead. On their way to the Shadow Realm, Korg reveals that he had two dads. In Ragnarok, he also said he had a mom who turned up to his revolution along with her boyfriend whom Korg hated. Jane finally reveals to Thor that she's fighting stage 4 cancer. Thor can't believe he's about to lose another loved one. When the gang reaches the Shadow Realm, Jane discovers Bifrost is the key to opening the gates of eternity. It was revealed terribly. She throws away the Stormbreaker to stop that from happening. Gor fights them all. He stabs Valkyrie, injures Jane, and manages to take away the Stormbreaker. Valkyrie survives, but her kidney doesn't. Jane wants to accompany Thor to fight Gor. 
Thor convinces Jane that they'll have their own adventure after, but now she needs to rest. With Stormbreaker out of the picture, Thor uses Zeus's thunderbolt to travel to the center of the universe. The center of the universe is filled with statues. There's the living tribunal with rotating heads, Eon, Infinity, Death, Oatu the Watcher, and one celestial. Thor finds the abducted children at the center of the universe. When Thor realizes the kids have no training in warfare, he asks them to grab any weapon of their choice. He shares his powers with the kids for a limited time only to fight the shadow monsters. I know the limited time only line is for laughs, but it shows how flawed Thor is and has had no character growth. He is worthy only because he wants to save people. Remember the scene from Ragnarok where Thor reprimands Loki for being predictable and not growing as a person? Thor is on a very similar path. Jane joins the fight. Jane's condition worsens as she destroys the Necrosword with Mjolnir. The Bifrost opens the gates of eternity. Eternity resides in a reflective water pool-like place where it's seen meditating. Thor gives up killing Gore. He would rather spend time with Jane in her last moments. Thor and Jane urge Gore to choose love over revenge. Gore is worried about who would look after his daughter after he dies. Jane assures him that she won't be alone. Gore makes a wish to resurrect his daughter. The essence of eternity forms a childlike figure with flowy hair and transforms into Gore's daughter. I don't know the catchphrase that Jane whispered in Thor's ears before dying, but I hope it's an epic one. Thor takes care of love and raises her as his own, like Odin took care of Loki after the battle with the Frost Giants, like father, like son. Though I hope not, I hope he's a better father than Odin. Thor grows his full body and finds Dwayne the Rock. They make a baby, which I think should be named Johnson. Get it? Dwayne the Rock, Johnson. mid credit scene. Zeus is not dead. His Zeusettes are nursing his wound. Zeus orders his son Hercules to kill Thor. Hercules is played by Brett Goldstein, a.k.a. Roy Kent from Ted Lasso. Roy Kent. He's here. He's there. He's every effing where. After Danny Roja and Roy Kent, I want to see Jason Sudeikis in the MCU. Post-credit scene. Heimdall welcomes Jane into Valhalla and thanks her for saving his kid Astrid. So, the question is, who else is in Valhalla? Odin, Frigga, Lady Sif's arm, and Loki. Loki has to be there. He sacrificed himself and died at the hands of Thanos in battle. Hence, Valhalla. Now we have Loki from Valhalla and a variant from the series Loki awaiting so that the sun shines on both Loki and Thor. Thor will return. Until then, you can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. If you like what I'm doing, I'll soon be launching the awesome pod mix page on Patreon and you can support me there. Thanks for listening.